In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast secret agent is the one and only Travis Rats. Dude, you should have been Rats. Travis Rats. I would never give you my real name because I am a (laughs) secret agent. That makes sense. That makes sense. And you never want to lead with Rats. You don't. What? What do you mean? You lead with Rats and people run away because you're like, Rats and people are like, oh my god, rats, rats. they're filthy. It's and then rats. they go, Travis Rats. That's a rats. bad Sean Connery. I'm sorry, that is a terrible Sean Connery, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast, where we, uh, Travis and I, uh, talk about comic books, we talk about stuff in pop culture, all sorts of nerd stuff. You are on an episode, a comic book club episode, where we are going to talk about uh, Black Widow, uh, Shields Most Wanted by mark wade and chris samney and colored by the illustrious uh oh man is it matt wilson i want to say matt but yep. last name's wilson yeah matt wilson uh we're going to talk about the book today uh it's only been out for i don't know not too long so it's our the series... special martin luther king day uh comic book black widow um <laughs> no 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 that's, oh, a total, thought... that's a terribly bad joke. is it just a coincidence i thought we planned it's this. just just a coincidence oh, so okay. <laughs> for for the podcast today, we have a guest. We always bring a guest on for these comic book club episodes, and I'm excited to bring back uh, a man that I have I haven't talked to like in like formal dialogue in a long time. Like we internet talk because that's how people communicate these days. Uh, but an, an old pal of mine is on the show, uh, Josh Beeler. Josh Beeler, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Yay! So jo- <laughs> <laughs> Josh and I go way back to our punk rock days. Uh, when we were both in bands and uh, we were we were much younger and much more angry. Well, I don't know if we were angry, but we were much more punk rock probably than we are now. I don't know. <laughs> Weren't you straight edge like punk rock? Lot, lots of lots of people we hung out with are straight edge, right, Josh? Yes. Yeah, myself we, included. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we had we had like we had friends who like you didn't say their name. You said vegan, then their name, like vegan Ray, like people oh, who you wouldn't call by their actual name. He was well. He's like the only vegan, like true vegan kid I knew. So you called him Vegan Ray. Did they or call Ray you? Vegan. Did they call you Fruity Josh? They didn't. No, no. no just it would. Uh, I was in a band where we had a very Ramones esque personality. So uh, Josh Peabody was my name most of the time. <laughs> so Beeler's <laughs> uh, so, on the show with us today. We're talking Black Widow. Uh, Travis, you always have a uh, a question for our guests, so I'm going to let you kickstart the podcast with the most important question we ask our guests. Josh Bueller, are you ready for this question? I am. I hope you prepared for the question. You have no idea what it is. I hope <laughs> <laughs> you studied really Beeler, hard. Bueller, Bueller, question. I bet you's I bet she's never heard that. <laughs> what? Bueller <laughs> right. got a question right. for you. This is what we always, especially since you, it's your first time on the podcast, we've got to know. The audience is dying to know what was your first exposure to comic books, comics, the medium of comics? I'm a, a longtime listener, <laughs> first time caller. So, uh, like a lot of your uh, previous guests, my uh, exposure was uh, the X Men animated series mostly. Hey, I don't. 
Batman the animated series is a good one too. That might yeah. be my that might be my favorite. You, you know what? Uh, I've gone back and watched X Men, and it's okay. But you go back and you watch that Batman in the animated series, and it still holds up, guys. It's it's quality. It is you, quality you stuff. You know Check what I, I think about both of those is I under I was not appreciating the the vocal talents of both those animated series. If you go back and watch the X Men cartoons, there's some great voice acting going on there. I mean, the guy who's done I don't know his name. Um, the guy who does Wolverine, like that's mm-hmm. that's the Wolverine I hear when I read X Men books. Yeah. I always and, uh what's what's the one that what's that guy's name? <laughs> the, what? He turns out to be bad in like the first season and he dies oh, and he comes back. Yeah. Yeah. I got the things I've forgotten in life. <laughs> and then what I can pull back at an instant is oh, you mean Morph, that B character yeah. from that cartoon <laughs> show twenty five years ago? <laughs> so, is Morph even canonical? I, I don't know. I, did they bring him back in later? I liked his jacket. He had that like le- leather, a brown leather bomber jacket over the over the X Men gear. I thought it was nice. It gave him a little, a little, uh, a little je ne sais quoi, if you will, something special. You know, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, Beeler, uh, the cartoons were kind of your gateway in. Uh, are you a? So I, I know this, but let's tell the audience what's your current. Uh, comic book status. What's your What's your current comic book status? Single. Uh, it's complicated. <laughs> what What are you reading? <laughs> yeah, kind of got back into it. Um, through this radio show slash podcast, the best show. Um, they had Matt Fraction calling a bunch, mm-hmm. so I got into Sex Criminals at that point and uh, mm-hmm. started following like the current image stuff. Yeah. And then that was kind of a gateway to like the fanographic stuff, like Love and Rockets and. So oh. mostly like indie, not superhero stuff, <laughs> which is why this is a perfect episode for you to be on because yeah, you came back to be like it. You, you came back into comics like it, like an indie guy. And you know what? That's I love that stuff too. When I first got back into comics, I was like, I'm not going to read superhero stuff. I'm not going to do it. And then like I was like, oh, I really like Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> pulled me back in. It did. Uh, so. Speaking so of which, a lot of Samney and uh, Wade also did the run on Daredevil. Yeah, like a gorgeous, wonderful run mm-hmm. on Daredevil, which is partially why um, I I like I picked this series up initially is because of that creative team right there. I don't I don't know um, Black Widow had a series before this, and I had heard good stuff about it. I think my daughter read it, but I had never I had never like uh, I just didn't read it, and then I was like, ooh. Chris Samney or Somney. I think it's Somney or is it Samney? I don't know. Whatever it is. I think it's Somney. Yeah. Somney. But either yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, so, Beeler, do you, do you, now that you've kind of, you know, dipped your toe back in the comics and that, that kind of image end and the more independent end, do you find, do you have like a community of people to talk to, to about comic books or is it, you know, you read something and then listen to podcasts and that's kind of how you, you, the catharsis on like, oh, I got to I got to talk to people about this or I got to know what other people think. Or do you have like work buddies or, um, you know, kids on the stoop in the neighborhood just like go by. Hey, kids, you guys read the new, uh, uh, you know, Southern Bastards. Like what? How do you how do you have your conversations now that you've been that you're back in the comics? Uh, I really don't <laughs> like I work at an um, I'm an engineer near that's uh what i do as a day job and i'm surprised that 
no, I mean, it's a nerd centric job and right. none of these people really read comic books whatsoever. So if they do, it's like the walking dead and that's about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You've got to do like, like go to the lunchroom one day. Cause engineers, like I, when I, someone says engineers, I have a really bad vision of that where I think about like some kind of old timey factory with like a, like a lunch break whistle and everyone comes <laughs> out to like these tables and sits down with their steel lunch boxes. Maybe I'm thinking construction or factory worker. I think, I think you are. Yeah. That's why I, yeah. I think of engineering. <laughs> and I think in this scenario, you should just like at lunchtime, just pull out a copy of a book and just sit front and center of with like Southern bastards or black widow and just sit there and then see who comes up to you. And then you found new friends. Yeah. Or or enemies, who knows? Or enemies, you might get wedged. <laughs> Do engineers wedge each other? That's the question. They don't have the upper body strength to get a good lift. <laughs> you gotta get up from your desk to do that. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So Josh, um, we made you read Black Widow, and you seem pretty keen to do it. I said, "Hey, man, do you want to be on the show? Uh, do you want to read Black Widow?" And you're like, "Yeah, sure." And so I was like. Okay, good, good. There was no, like, because you and I talked before, and you said you'd been reading, you know, some indie stuff, and I was like, I'm going to see if he'll read a Marvel comic book with us. And so I'm glad I'm glad you, you took the jump. This is comic exposure, and one of our goals is to uh, get people who may not read the genre of comics we do or who may not read comic books at all to kind of go, like, yeah, I'm going to jump in. And, like, what Travis was saying, like, the idea of, like, you don't get to have a conversation about comic books with people. I never have comic book conversations except with Travis and the people we have on the show, which is, which is I think, really the only reason I think we're doing the show, right, Travis? Right. And, and literally, we get to do it once a week. So we have quite a few comic book conversations. Yeah. But we're, yeah. like, we're really yeah. excited that you could be here for our MLK Day special. And also, Josh, what I believe is our 75th episode. So Is, is it 75th? 75th. Wow, that's impressive, buddy. Mm-hmm. Seventy-five. We're like we're like geriatrics, <laughs> like Jerry this Lewis. Ladies, yes. we want to read yes. some comic books. Why? It's a uh, we. It's a milestone for us, I would say. So before we before we move into the book, uh, you know, maybe maybe you want to hear a little bit more. Uh, maybe you're like Josh Beeler and, and you go, you know what? I, I don't get to have those conversations with comic books. Well, uh, some pals of the show. Uh, Ryan Cody and Scott Godleski. Scott Godleski's been on the show before. Uh, they're both comic book artists, and they've got a podcast. And so I- I'm I'm pitching the podcast, everybody, and we're going to share. We're going to open up the 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 womb of the internet. And Ooh, well, that, no, I don't know. We're going to that doesn't sound right. Are we going to abort this this podcast? <laughs> no, no. I guess that you're right. That didn't sound right at all. We're gonna, we're going to open up. Uh, we're going to open up the world of the internet to these people and, and let our let our listeners know about the illustrious gentleman. The illustrious gentleman is a podcast hosted by Scott. Godleski and Ryan Cody. They're two professional comic book artists. Uh, they drink a little bit. They talk about their lives as freelance creators, about their family and kids, and they chat about comics, booze, uh, and essentially why they hate everything, uh, which is which is always which is always fun to listen to. So if you want if you if you want to listen to two gentlemen talk about what they're drinking, and that's my favorite part of the show. That, that's how they start off the episode. They go, oh, you know what I've got today, and they always someone's got something nice. So that's always a good thing. So if you want to listen to these two comic book guys uh, talk comics, talk their art uh, or you know their craft and what they're doing, it's kind of a cool little inside look at the world of uh, these kind of freelance artists who are working on stuff. Uh, so go check them out. 
You can find him uh, on the internet at TIGshow.com. So TIGshow, www.TIGshow.com. Or you can follow him on Twitter at TIG underscore show. So at TIG underscore show. That's where you can find him on Twitter. Check out our pals at The Illustrious Gentleman. They got like a dude with a serious accent who uh, introduces their show. Like like a real one, not like the fake one we have, Travis. <laughs> So well, I'm like, listen. I gotta. I want to find. You want to hire a voice actor? We can do it for like five, like five dollars. But all I'm saying is, we DIY'd this shit. Like back in your <laughs> punk days, you know, we sat around, drank some right. non-caffeinated tea, you know, drew some X's, <laughs> and sunny and marker on our wrist or whatever it is you guys do, and then we uh, <laughs> just DIY'd that shit. All right. All right. So let's jump into it. Let's jump into it. Again, the book we're talking about today is uh, Black Widow, uh, Shields Most Wanted, Volume 1 of the uh, this trade from Wade, Samney, uh, Somney, and Wilson, a glorious, glorious, uh, like, I'm just going to jump it right here and say it's beautiful art. That's I'm just going to say that. I'm going to play my hand early and say it's beautifully glorious art in this in this trade. So let's let's jump in. How do you want to start this thing off, Travis? Uh, right here. Let's just speaking of jumping in. Uh, yeah. Beeler, what do you think about the first issue in this trade? I mean, it's it's very as far as comics today. There's something happening in the first issue of this trade that you don't see. You can read this first issue in one third of a shit. Um, not saying that's bad, but there's something going on here. What did you think about this first issue? What struck you as uh, unique or different? What was your first thought about it? It's very um, it's kind of the whole trade was very action movie esque. Like mm-hmm. I'd love to see it on film, you know. Yeah. It was just uh, yeah, there was not much dialogue whatsoever, and it was just explosions and gunshots and jumping off the uh, shield airship. Yeah, awesome. jumping off. It's literally the first issue is literally one giant jump, pretty much. It, it is. It, it, it just <laughs> follows in slow motion. She's literally in air for like eight pages. <laughs> so, like this this issue, you know, the beginning of every James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. That's what this issue is. This yeah. issue is the beginning of every James Bond movie where you don't know what's going on, but James Bond is like skiing down a hill for 10 minutes, like shooting dudes and like doing like hitting moguls while he's like <laughs> drinking a martini. Like that's what this felt like was in, in the first like 10 minutes of a Bond flick. Um, and you're right, Travis. It was it could be an incredibly quick read. Um, but if you just if you soak it all in. If, if you thing. soak in, if you soak in with you marinate, marinate in those Black Widow juices. The- <laughs> Dude, what's with the womb and juices? Like, what's going on with you over there? I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> so you just you just marinate in this first issue, and you're it is this. It's nonstop action for the whole you know the first twenty two pages of this of this. Uh, this story, um, Travis. What did you think of it? I mean, I mean, you kind of said that, you know, like you could read it super quick. Yeah. What were some of the? What was a positive about it, and what was a negative you thought about yeah, it? Yeah, you're right. It, uh, like you said, it is that James Bond. It kind of reminded me of. I used to read the Danger Girl series, Campbell's Danger Girl series, back in the '90s, um, and, uh, which is, you know, kind of you know James Bond chicks, and it kind of reminded me of that. There wasn't a lot of word balloons or dialogue. It was like. Big titted chicks with guns, jumping, running, sometimes dodging bullets. Uh, I really like this first um, issue in this trade because it's it's something that you don't see very much in comics that you used to see uh, quite a bit. 
you know, where it was just letting the art tell the story. When we talk about this book, it's Wade and Somni, and they've worked together before. I'm going to go ahead and say um, that this is their team, but I would say this is really more Somni's book than it is Wade's book, just because so much of the storytelling relies on the sequential art. When we talk about yeah. comics being a sequential art form, this first issue is uh, a master class in sequential art. Yeah, you know, uh, Somni's credited as writer, too. So both him and Wade share writer credit. Uh, but then Somni's also is also drawing it. And I, I'm kind of curious how that how that works out. Like, I wonder how much uh, is Wade giving him as far as scripts go? Right. You it's, know, it's like when you think about Google hunting, you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, you know, both got the Oscar for it. But was it was it both of them or was like Ben Affleck like? sitting in the corner smoking cigarettes reading porn mags while matt damon was like typing furiously away you know that's that's what i mean you never know <laughs> and so so josh uh Bueller, let, let's what did you like it was this quick action-packed thing was there anything that you didn't like about that that way that that was introduced not at all um it was kind of confusing confusing at first i mean looking back at it it totally makes sense like how she was uh kind of on the run from mm-hmm. the rest of shield but i mean it was yeah there was there wasn't much that didn't make sense beyond that um that was pretty good well josh uh let me ask you a question um so i think with this first issue it sounds like we both liked it and we thought it was kind of a, like unique you don't see it as much in comics anymore but at the same time i think if I was reading this in singles, which I think you did, Josh. I, I um, did, yeah. I, I reread them in singles again. <laughs> there would be only one. I, I'm like, I would have read them, but this is cool. But I don't know if there would have been enough to make me pick up the second issue, except for one thing I saw in here. What was it? I mean, you saw how it was laid out. You saw that it was really action-based. What made you want to pick up the second issue in singles? Well, I, I think for me, it was it's really the creative team on it. I loved what they did on on uh, Daredevil, and so when you trust them, when yeah, I trust them, and I, I I don't know had it been another creative team, I would have been like, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna I I want to keep reading that, but I the idea it was just such a kind of a tour de force of art. And so for me, I was like, you know what? I, I just gotta. I have to see the next episode because I, I just, I, Somni's art is just so great that I just wanted to see what happened. Uh, and I think the middle of the issue, I guess not even the middle of the issue. At first, when it looks like she's in an office, right? And you think that she's just in an office building somewhere. And as soon as she jumps out of the helicarrier, and you like, there's like three, there's like a full page spread of her kind of jumping out of it. And the next panel is this giant double page where you find out that she's jumping out of uh, out of the helicarrier. And I was like, that's it. I'm in. I got to see where this is going. You know, like the ride is what got me. Let me let me ask you both this question. Here's what what, what hooked me at the end of this first issue is you have this very Dark Knight-esque mud fight as far as how the panels were, were laid out. If you think about the Dark Knight and that like – uh, this is an operating table, and I'm a yeah, surgeon. Yeah. And snap, you have this fight between her and this henchman, and then it ends with her just fucking killing this this dude, right? Like just just kills him. And you're like, you, I looked back at the cover. I'm like, is this Marvel? Like, what's going on here? Like, what's Black Widow? Because so my question is, what what have you known about Black Widow coming into this book? 
each of you. Uh, Beeler, I'll, Beeler, I'll let you take this one first. What, what, okay. what is your previous Black Widow knowledge? Uh, only the Avengers or like the recent Marvel movies is pretty much my only knowledge. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah, that's that's all I got. I mean, like I, I said before, like uh, we have the first trade sitting around that like of a different volume of this, like a different uh, creative team before this one came out, the last run of it uh, of a dirt of a Black Widow story, and we have it. I've just never read it. I, my daughter got it. Um, she said she liked it. I just never read it. And all I know, too, is from the Avengers as well. I mean, I know a little bit from, like, Travis, you and I, one of our shows a while ago, we read some early Daredevil, and she shows up there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that sort of stuff where she's kind of a through line through a lot of, you know, Avengers stuff back in the day. But I've never read, I've never read a, a series with her as a main character. Right, and, and Black Widow as as a uh, on paper, I remember when the Avengers movie was coming out, and like Black Widow's gonna be at it, and I was like, I'm familiar with this character because I've been reading comics since a kid, but I never read any individual Black Widow stories. I never read any Avengers storylines in which Black Widow was kind of the centerpiece. I always knew she was kind of like the slut of like the Marvel universe, you know. That was that was pretty much like, you know, when you think of like Spider Man, you're like, oh, jovial prankster kid and then when you think of like black widow you're like oh slutty secret agent and that was about it and um so when they announced that she was in the avengers lineup for this big movie i was kind of like are people gonna get that i know they introduced her in the iron man movie and people kind of dug it but i was like can is this gonna work and i thought they did it really well in the avengers movie uh but there wasn't really I, I wasn't hooked enough to be like, okay, I want to go back and get more Black Widow. And so when you said, let's read Black Widow, I was like, okay. But I said, okay, more from the standpoint of like... I guess. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, okay, I'm like, you know what? This is a character that's probably only going to get more and more popular. Let me let me find out a little bit more about her. And when she, when she killed that dude at the beginning of the first issue, I was like, all right. I don't see this from the other big Marvel superheroes. I'm in. Yeah, you know, I, I think the same thing. I don't know a whole lot about her, but, you know, like, she was this sort of, like, femme fatale written back in the day, and she got around the Marvel Universe. But when I think they did a really good job of bringing her in, like you said, to, like, the, the movie and kind of really playing up the sort of, like, she's a dangerous spy sort of aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if... If nothing else, uh, this series, like, makes me go, well, dang, she's a badass. You know what I mean? Like, this little arc we read here is just a very kind of, like, holy crap. She's she's a a killing machine. Right, right, right. So, Beeler, what do you think, um, uh, taking the whole trade in general, not just the first issue anymore, but what do you think it is about Black Widow... Uh, in this version that separates her from what we might normally see in a female superhero what what are what do you think that Wade and Somni are really focusing on in her character trying to flesh her out seems like they focused a lot on her backstory and like the uh the red room i think it was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um kind of like her uh her training her her upbringing um kind of one thing that really stuck out to me as a character is that uh, she's in a world of superheroes and she doesn't really have superpowers or like super technology like Iron Man or anything. She just basically has her wits to get by on, which is uh, pretty awesome. 
Right, and she's not super intelligent. She's just more like cunning, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And which is like compared to like a Reed Richards or some of the people on there, you're like, mm-hmm. you're are, what are you good at? What are you better at than anyone? And Josh, what do you think that Black Widow is better at than anyone? Because as a superhero, if you're going to be part of like a team, I feel like you have to be like have some kind of skill that you can do better than Hulk, better than Thor, better than Reed Richards. So what what ingredient is she in the Marvel Universe that no one else can do that Black Widow can do? I, I think that you see her here, at least in, in this series, as a very sort of like uh, covert, recon, like... Uh, she brings that espionage aspect to the Avengers, right? So if they need someone to go infiltrate something, then they can, you know, she's she's there to do that. And then it doesn't seem like she has any regard for her well-being or, you know what I mean? Like, she has no regard yeah, for, yeah. like, self-preservation. She gets the job done. And I think... Uh, she also has that, that, that dark side from, from how she was, you know, being raised in that red room that they hint to in this arc, that sort of like, she was an assassin. So mm-hmm. she's willing to maybe go a little farther than the Avengers oh, yeah. are, you know? And so I think you always need that. She, not that she's, you know, she's not a bad guy for the Avengers, but, but she's a, you know, a, a character who's willing to maybe go three more steps further than Iron Man is. She's also you know? really she good at more... getting out of chairs. Yes. We've seen this in the movies, <laughs> and we saw this in the comic book. I'm like, oh, shit, she's in a chair. Watch out, goons. You're about to get your heads kicked in. She does dispatch a whole lot of goons in like, this. I, if, I was, if I was a henchman, and I came in, you know how like the goons work, and then you come dramatically through the door like the weeping lion in here? If I yeah. walked in, and they had Black Widow ch- tied to a chair, I'd be like, what is wrong with you guys? Chain her to a wall. We've been over this before. I said, bring her in. Do not tie her to a chair, right? Sorry, boss. All we have is a chair. The chains are being used. Uh, but there's like a lion in here, so it's okay. She'll be, yeah, she won't do anything. We figure the lion is going to, you know, like if she gets past the chair, she's got to get past the lion. <laughs> oh, always. Hey, why... Can I just let me ask you, why does every evil villain have some uh some like exotic animal? exotic animal? What's what's the deal with that? <laughs> Beeler, Beeler, if you were going to be like a, a Bond villain, what what animal would you have um captive in your lair? <laughs> Maybe a ferret. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you haven't fed it in like a week. It's really hungry. You're like the beast master. <laughs> Which is a fantastic movie. Like, fantastic. What, like a fair, it's like Poho and like Moho or some shit like that. I don't remember. Poto is... and Poto. Poto and Poto. <laughs> Mr. Bond, it's... I see you You have been captured again, Mr. Bond, and now I will release my ferrets upon you. Poho! Moho! <laughs> Here's the thing. You remember earlier, Travis, when you said, like, you can call, like, you don't remember shit, but you can call up something completely useless? Beastmaster's ferrets. That right there. That, that's some. That's some like genius level. Back. I I have not memorized my Japanese phone number yet, but I can tell you who Morph is, <laughs> the color of his jacket, and those goddamn ferrets from Beastmaster. Oh man, that's good. That's good. I think if I if I were gonna have a layer, if I were gonna have a layer, I want like a snowy layer and deaf polar bears. Definitely polar bears. That's what I need. Definitely like polar some. Bears. 
deadly, deadly polar bears. Oh, wow. That would because be pretty they're fierce. Like, right? Right? How about, how about you, Travis? What are you going to have in your secret lair? Um, I want something that can perch on my shoulder. Uh, I, I'm thinking like a parrot, but I'm also thinking the ferrets are nice. I, I can get that. But I want something that I don't have to keep in a cage all the time. Something that I can accessorize with. Um, <laughs> so maybe something like a parrot or like, like, like a, a – I'm not a big snake guy, but I would like to drape something around me like a snake. So I'm thinking something like that, um, like an iguana. Would oh, you like maybe, let it... maybe like a koala? Like let's go, let's go opposite. Let's let's make me look really fierce, with like a, like an eye patch and maybe a scar. But then just have like a little cute koala hugging me. Hey, and guys, let me tell you something. Koalas, they're pretty vicious. Oh no, they're mad. Yeah. They're mad, man. Yeah, they can really scratch you up. <laughs> and now, Bond, my koala will gouge out your eyes. <laughs> Black Widow, if you escape from my chair, you will not escape the clutches of my koala. <laughs> my koala clutches are deadly. <laughs> <laughs> the weeping koala. Oh, Why is he crying? He's just lonely. So, all right, so the... Let's let's get let's get into let's talk story really quick because we've we've kind of talked a little bit about the way this works and, and who we saw you know um, Black Widow as. Let me ask you guys. Um, I I'm going to ask you and then, and then I've got kind of my own response to it. So uh, Travis, I'm going to ask you first when you when you read this. Um, we talked about how that first issue was a really quick a really quick read. Do you think that there is enough story in this trade? Like, there's enough um, development in this? Yeah, that's a good question because at first I was like, um, part of me with all the reading, all the trades we have to read. When I read the first issue, I'm like, oh, good, I can, I won't have to spend weeks in this trade, you know. <laughs> um, but as I went through it, I think there is, I think there is enough story in here um, as far as. Uh, when you get to the end, I think this is a good introduction. I think this whole trade is exposition. Um, I don't think you get to the heart of any story. I think they just kind of lay the seeds as far as that red room, as uh, Belia was talking about, uh, the relationship uh, between Iron Man and Black Widow, um, as well as this whole idea of um, this young disciple uh, that she used to be friends with as a kid, now kind of claiming the mantle. So it looks like the main arc of this series is going to be her coming up against like the new, improved Black Widow. Um, and so while this is mainly exposition, um, that whole figuring out who the Weeping Lion is um, was enough story to hook me in and feel like, okay, I got my money's worth from this trade. Now, th- don't get me wrong. Um, I'll show my hands now. I, I This isn't like something that I'm dying to read the next trade, but I it was just more enjoyable. I think more from the standpoint of art for me and also um, just the streamlined storytelling where there's there's not a lot to re- read and i really get to focus in on the art and appreciate art and comics all right so so josh uh l- let's hear what did, what was your take did you get enough story out of this uh yeah there was enough story it's not i'm it's not as much story as i'm used to probably <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah when you're reading like, stuff yeah <laughs> 
in something like um, even or like Love and Rockets, where it's yeah. all story and zero action. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely enough story. Um, it was more yeah, setting the mood, setting kind of world building. Uh, you know, creating the vibe of it, I guess, um, of how the whole story is going to play out. Than it is, um, I don't know, a huge story in this trade at least. Uh, I, I was really drawn in by the art too. Kind of like you guys were. It was it was awesome. The art was. <laughs> yeah, this is it, it. Very much re it reads like a Marvel comic. It reminds me of reading comics as a kid in the nineties when when you wouldn't a, a single issue wouldn't be that long. You know, especially like Image in the nineties. It was all like muscles and guns and action. Uh, it, yeah. it it gave me a nostalgia for like oh you know what comics are just fun. They're not. They don't always have to be. You know, deep like a Southern Bastards or, you know, um, like an underwater welder or things you read. Those are great, but you also have this out there. You have mainstream comics. You have someone from the big two just doing comic books right. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think my only, my only thing, and Travis, you nailed it. You said that this is really kind of like, it's all exposition. We're getting to the, the story, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then... Josh, I think you're right too because you, you kind of really talked about it. it sets the mood, right? And it really does. It Wilson's colors. I mean, that's why. I mean, that's another reason why this book is so beautiful. Uh, Matt Wilson's colors on this are just—it's phenomenal. One of the first things that jumped out at me were the colors. Yeah, yeah, and and so I think you're right. They're really building a world, and like, part of me goes like, um, "Well, dang, like." what's going to happen after this? Like, what are we going to learn about Black Widow? Because I, I would say that we get a little backstory on her, but maybe the point of a character like Black Widow is it's all very, it's all very, like, murky, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's never going to, I mean, it's never going to be, like, laid out in front of you what her past is, and maybe that's kind of the good thing about it. Um, but you said it early on, Travis, this is like a tour de force in sequential art. Like what, how comic books, like, how do you do an action scene? Like, if you're ever like, man, I want to draw a comic. How do I do a, like a serious action scene? All of these, every one of these issues has like s- something where you're like, oh man, how, how would I do a car chase? Oh, we got that in here. There's mm-hmm. a car chase in here, right? Like, how do I do like, uh, you know, like motorcycles and, and all this stuff? Oh, that's, that's in there. Like, how do I do like a dark espionage kind of like sniper scene? It's in there. There's all this stuff in there. Um, and that is why, like, that's why I wanted us to do this book on this show is just if, if nothing else, it is, uh, damn gorgeous. And, and you've said it before, you've said it before, Travis, this, this idea that every once in a while you just need like a bubblegum comic book. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Like just like just like something fun and nah, 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 that's good, right? Like yeah, you got yeah, yeah. the flavor, you know. It's not quite fruit stripes gum. It's gonna stay with you a little longer, you know. It's 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 you know like bubble yum. The flavors the flavor lasts longer. Uh, it's you it's were talking just, about the Ramones earlier, you know. Yeah, and like you know we're gonna get with a Ramones album. I know they they differed slightly with it, but it's just like that kind of like all right, here we go. This is fun. 
Um, it's bouncy. It's jaunty. And I think that this is really kind of like a Wade Insomni doing – it's basically a storyboard for a Black Widow movie. I feel like they did this book as like a pitch to like bring into the studio and be like, huh? You guys are talking about a Black <laughs> Widow movie? Because this would be the perfect storyline for a Black Widow movie. It still ties into the – it would still tie into their, their universe they've set up. You got Iron Man in there. You're not bringing in a lot of the other Avengers or any of them. Uh, they already set up the Red Room and uh, shit kind of in the um, movies. Uh, and so I feel like this was Somni and Wade being like, you know what? They would pay us a lot of money if we were attached to a Black Widow movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's storyboard that out. Uh, you know what? It. It is very storyboardy, it, it, but there's I, there, I don't know it's something great. So let's let's hit the let's hit the art train. I mean, we've kind of danced on on what it is, and that we all liked it. Uh, so, uh, Josh, my man, my man Beals, uh, let's. You said you enjoyed the art. What about it really caught you? It kind of reminds me almost of. Um... I'm thinking of uh, the Frank Miller Daredevil almost. It has like a real throwback vibe to it. It's not as um, computery (laughs) as your typical Marvel book you pick up these days. Like um, if the colors are done uh, computer, they did a good job at uh, not making it making it more analog. I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah, it's a lot flatter, and I think you're right. Like you can see if you pick up like uh, an Avengers book. Or you pick up like uh, one of those big team books, the colors are ugly. <laughs> they're they're always like they they gradient everything, right? They're just like oh, yeah. you know, how do we make this better? Do just throw a gradient on it. Just just go to Photoshop gradient. We're good. And like the hatches are hand drawn, you know, mm, and the shadows yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so Travis, what jumped out for you for the art on this? I like the hatching too and stuff like that. Um, I would say that the thing that kind of caught me off guard the most is you know i've read female centered comic books before and they always get it seems like the majority of the time they always get an artist like a scott campbell who's going to draw really kind of sleek um uh sexy women right you know you think of black widow you think you're gonna open this book up and you think it's gonna be real kind of exaggerated like tits and ass skinny waist and it's going to be a lot of shots where she's just mugging with like a hand on a hip you know like how chicks take selfies and stuff like that or like bending over to pick up a knife um and by by drawing it in this style um you really it takes away a lot of that i don't i don't want to say the black widow's femininity but like kind of what you you focus more on her as being a badass. Like the art style in this uh, really lets you be like, shit, Black Widow's a badass, as opposed to like, man, I want a, I want a piece of Black Widow in this. <laughs> yeah, I, stab, I, stab, I, him, stab him good, sweetheart. You st- twist the knife. Yeah. <laughs> that was the creepiest thing I think I've ever heard you what? say. You were talking about aborting earlier. I was just trying uh, to get the, the sweet juices, <laughs> the sweet marinated <laughs> juices train. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think you know. I think you're right, Travis. I think you, if you think of like old school Black Widow, that that little V neck, it's zipped a little farther down than should be, right? Yeah, that's when you catch a cold like that, right? But in this, it's not like that, and I think they really do a really good job of of treating her like a character as opposed to sort of like a sex object. The f- 
Yeah, a sex, a sex object or like that femme fatale that you've got to, you know, like she's going to use her feminine wiles or whatever it is against you. They just like made a badass like espionage book with Black Widow and in that art style, that throwback art style that that Beeler was talking about and Somni does such a good job of like there's something incredibly like warm and simple about his artwork, right? Like there's not a ton of line work and he's got a real thick he's got like a real thick ink on it, you know, his inking is thick. The shadows are great. Um there's a lot of blood in this too. This is a kind of a gory book, but he does it he draws it in a way where it it doesn't it's not like maybe like a vertigo book or something like that. It, it could still be mainstream. He the way he draws like gore and violence isn't to the degree where you would be upset if your like twelve year old daughter read this or something like that, you know? Yeah, and it's always like if there's anything that's overtly like gory, it's not in main frame. You know what right. I mean? Like it's always sort of the camera angle, I guess, if you want to call it that. Yeah. The way it's the way it's drawn is always a little different. They're than getting else. like tapped in the head with like sniper bullets, and it's like really cool. You're like oh shit. Uh, but at the same time, you're like, okay, that's not like I don't see brain matter being spewed on the page or anything like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Can I can I ask you guys this? We were talking about colors, um, and I really like the colors in this book. But I've heard people talking, and maybe on some other podcasts and things like that, about this this colors that um, Wilson is using here. Um, if you uh, Beeler, you, you've been reading image stuff, and you see a lot of this type of coloring and image. This seems to be what's really in right now in the indie books. And, it's almost, and here we see that indie-style coloring that we see like it kind of in Southern Bastards and a lot of other indie books. You know, making the, the color palette one color for a page and doing everything in these hues, um, kind of muted hues, and it all being very much the same color. That's very in vogue right now. Do you think – do you want to see more of this? Because I love this style of coloring, but eventually it's going to go away. Um, is there going to – is there getting to the point where we're seeing this coloring in Black Widow, a mainstream book? Is that a good thing? Does that mean that, oh, great, they finally caught on board the good coloring train? Or is that like the death toll for like <laughs> we're going to quickly start seeing this coloring going away? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I think it's a good thing. I don't know where else they would go with it, really, to be honest with you. I mean, they've already done kind of the hyper-exaggerated computer, like super obvious computer gradients in books before, and now they're back to more of like kind of a realistic... I guess you could go I neon. I want to say color. <laughs> you could go yeah. Like snap bracelet or friendship bracelet yeah, exactly. color palettes. You can go like really like Vegas Strip. <laughs> we call it the Vegas Strip. <laughs> I I, th- I think you know Travis. When we talk about um, you, I, you know, I had mentioned earlier this is not the coloring you're going to see in a in an Avengers book, right? This isn't the coloring you'll probably Maybe see soon. in. But but if you did, that would be great. I, I think. Um, you see it in like Hawkeye. You saw it in. Fraction that's what I'm Hawkeye. saying. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're seeing it. In, you're seeing it in sort of like the not big tier Marvel book. So if you go look at the Luke Cage and Iron Fist book has a very sort of indie art style and a very, you know, indie feeling color to it. Same thing when you go the, you know, the Hawkeye that we read, uh, when you look at black widow, it's like that. Um, 
a couple of the books on the fringe of Marvel are all they're far more indie than than anything else, right? Yeah. And uh, the same thing over at DC, like the fringes of DC are where you see stuff like this. A little more at Marvel than at DC, but um, <clears throat> All Star Batman has that same sort of color palette on it, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. uh, same thing with with uh, the you know the um, the Capullo, uh, you know the the main Batman book before they jumped up, you know when him and Scott Snyder were doing uh, the regular Batman, same thing. It wasn't uh, that crazy coloring; it was kind of this sort of indie yeah. style. And I think like you're starting to see colorists be like, that's an art. Right. Like they add something. This book is as damn good as it is and pretty looking as it is because of those colors by by Matt Wilson. And I I think if anybody else colored it and if were any other sort of like mainstream Marvel coloring, it just wouldn't be as good. I don't know that like there's just something very arty and very like pretty about this that when you use a computer and you just throw some gradients on it it stops looking like art i guess yeah you know and i I agree with that and i again i really like this this is the best like you know the black science coloring this coloring it's all it's all very similar and i i love it it's my my favorite my favorite last decade for comic book coloring it's 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 just like so right on my alley but at the same time you know as it's bleeding more and more into more and more books it becomes less special somehow and i'm and i <laughs> yeah and i, and I, and I, and I I'm, I'm i'm so i'm like i'm glad i'm getting this it's better than that computer generated stuff but at the same time i hope there are colorists out there that are like experimenting still like i would like to open up a book and not see the computer's you know, generate colors or this kind of in vogue coloring that we're seeing now and be like, ooh, this is interesting. I don't even need to like it. I just want to open up a book and see different coloring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that would be Yeah, you you yeah. still see the super um gradient stuff in like something like Saga say, but yeah, it kind of yeah. makes sense cuz they're like, you know, in a different world and a different universe basically. That's so like a, That's a good point. They the Saga almost it takes the computer streamline uh coloring, but it also kind of as far as its palettes, it it will use like this page is going to be, you know, light blues in the background even though they're not you know, like this color light blues are more computer generated. So it seems mm-hmm. to kind of be straddling both worlds. And I really like that. And I think Saga is an example of something that does look different, even though it's computer generated. It doesn't have to be off the wall. It doesn't have to be like, well, I took my kids' finger paints and I splattered them <laughs> over a black and white page. So, Well, you, well remember remember when we read, uh, when we read uh, that jock book, the Snyder and jock book, the um, Witches? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Oh. In the back of it, like... How long, like the tons of layers that Jock was putting, you know, that they put on that on those pages. Yeah, to in the just color it. Did with that, yeah, like they have like spots, like print spots, like ink spots that were buried in the background. Yeah, and so I mean, like there are people experimenting and doing kind of cool stuff. And you know what? I think for whatever else it is, Wilson's doing some kind of interesting stuff here. There's there's a, a part in issue three where uh, Black Widow goes back to that cabin or like the school or whatever, right? And so there's a, a, a handful of pages that are flashbacky. Um, so they're very pink. And it mm. starts with her fighting this um, she, she's fighting this, I don't know, this goon inside of the place. And you can see her like ballerina training. 
as she's punching the dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. in the background. And that's really cool. And then you kind of see like it's all flashback, and so it's in this weird, this pink sort of hue, this reddish pink hue for several pages. And then you see it come back to Black Widow in our time, and she's walking down into the cellar, and you see kind of the ghost version of her, that old time, like the flashback version of her, and they're on the same panel. Yep. But the flashback version of her is pink, that like that same sort of pink hue. And that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, well, damn, that is that's just that's good. there's just something magical about well, allows you about to, the way to, he figured out to do that. Yeah, it allows you to combine what normally would have been like twelve panels of storytelling into one, two, like you know, nine. Yeah, yeah, um, um, and it's stuff like that that I think is really kind of cool. So I want to go into favorite panels, and I'm gonna, we're going to start with Beeler here in a second. But I'm going to say this about favorite panels. I was going through and trying to find my favorite panel, and I really like the art in this. But trying to find standout panels in this was a little difficult. Um, I don't think – it doesn't seem like Sam Lee's drawing for like, and then this is my – this is that panel that's really going to blow them away. They're all pretty consistently functional, if that makes sense. Each of the each of the panels and the art in there is functional. It's, it's some kind of action, some kind of movement. And there's – I didn't really find a lot of panels that I was like – Ooh, this one, this one is the the panel. How'd you guys feel about that when you were choosing your favorite panels? Is that something uh, that I you think found? my? <laughs> I'm gonna do the uh, Buckley cheat here and uh, <laughs> say my favorite panel is a whole page, uh, single panel on the whole page. Uh, it's the ballerina oh, fight scene, actually. You nice, son of a nice, bitch! Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch! Did I steal yours? Oh, you do we have a jinx, you bastard! <laughs> But yeah, um, as far as I know, you guys usually don't do least favorite panels, but I'm not a huge fan of how uh, Somni draws uh, the Iron Man costume. That's the and so this that's is the I'm, weak spot. That's what it, that's what it looks like now. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh! That is the so it's not <laughs> Somni. It's not Somni. That's the current. That was the current uh, design of the Iron Man suit. It looks like Pac-Man with his mouth closed. I don't. <laughs> it does. It's like a Mega Man Pac-Man combo going on. It's like on. the least expressionless. Yeah, it's, it's bogus. Uh, but that and so that was kind of like the that was the version that is in the Marvel universe when this is out. That's what Iron Man looks like. Uh, but I mean, you know, his version is going to be a little more stripped down because that's just the way he draws. But it yeah, yeah. it is a funky looking costume. But that's the funky looking costume that's in the series. Like that <laughs> looking costume. <laughs> They're always messing with messing with suits, man. And and Iron Man is I think like every time someone else gets that book, they're like, Oh man, let's make a different costume. We can, right? But it just looks like a blank expression of a face now. I can't <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Travis, let's hear yours. Let's hear your panel. Um, well, can I give a shout-out to my favorite variant cover would be the Tula Lote one right in the middle, that number one variant where it's like Don't Fall Into Our Web, where it's done kind of like that those old French uh, theater posters. Um, there's a lot of cool variants in this trade that I got to look at. But as far she, as, She's yeah. fantastic, man. Her yeah. her covers that she does are just gorgeous. I love it. I, I, I want that, like, like, on my wall framed. But then I'm like, man, I got to get laid at some point. Um... <laughs> So I would say my favorite panel, just because I, I got nostalgic about it, um, 
was uh, there's God page numbers, please. This is um, where you know she's in the weeping lion's den and the lion's being fed the meat. Uh, there is this page where it's got uh, five panels and they put the weeping lion up front. He's just standing with the file, and you get the full exposure to him with his beam yeah. and stuff like that. I just really like the layout of that. That's something that I don't know if it was reminiscent of 90s comics or just older comics from, like, the Silver Age that I was reading in the 90s. But it, you don't see that a lot anymore where they take a figure and they put him up front in front of the panels. Uh, and so I was, it was kind of cool to see, like, head-to-toe reveal um, – but at the same time, not wasting a whole splash page on it, you know, for the reveal. Yeah. But you still get that story in the background. And the the uh, figures are all pushed around him. So it's laid out. And then he makes a story on the right side of him. I thought it was just a clever way of introdu- showing that villain and still telling the story and getting that kind of reveal. Something that I don't see as often as i used to see and it, it kind of warmed the cockles of my heart i said cockles josh <laughs> i like that we we've gone we've gone really weird with our with our phrasings today on stuff <laughs> so i'm gonna say if i have to if since since josh stole mine uh i'm gonna i'm gonna do the buckley cheat and i'm gonna go uh it's <laughs> it's in issue four where she's breaking in um to this facility right in the in the middle of the winter She's uh she was at that cabin. Um she takes off and she's going to this sort of facility to break in and get the get some files and stuff. And there's one panel at the top, and it's several little panels, but I'm gonna treat it as one panel because it's there's like a maze behind her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, so, I'm, I'm there. Yeah, so there's this maze behind her, and then there's like bits and pieces of her making her way through the maze. Mm-hmm. to get to these you know to get to this room and so like one panel is her at the grate and then you see like one little tiny panel is her unscrewing mm-hmm. the grate and then it's open and then you see her climbing in and going through it and like you see her looking in one of the rooms and there's you know there's there's a, a handful of you know the assassin girls in there and i really thought that that was kind of a really cool layout i, I think whenever an artist goes they're trying to you know Somni's really trying to get you to feel how complicated this is, right? Like how maze-like this is. And you're and instead of like just doing a bunch of panels to show that it's difficult to get through, he goes, "No, it's a freaking maze. Check it out. Here's a maze." You know, it Yeah. It's, that was it's, my it's, well, that was one of my picks too. I love that. That's a good it's point. It's kind of a it, it's a real cool way to kind of give a feeling or, you know, the mood of it. Like like uh Josh had said earlier, like the mood of the comic uh, is really set in this, um, and I, I think that's my favorite part about this book. It's the art is is good itself. The storytelling, I enjoyed the story, but really, I just think this is a ma- like we talked about before that sequential art. And by me sequential, I mean finding ways to lay out those panels in ways that is easy to understand, that makes the story flow, that helps the reader visualize what this would look like if it were to move like a movie. I think that this is one of the best books that we've read in this podcast as far as panel layout sequential art. I'm going to put, my, I'm gonna put I, that on the table. I think you are probably right, man. And I think, like, we talked about that first issue and how, how great that first issue was, but I want you guys to look at issue two really quick. Just flip it, issue two, if you can find it in your trade. Yep. And it's it's the funeral it's a funeral issue. That whole section 
where she's single-handedly tracking down all of those like murder all those killers in the in the cemetery is just exceptional comic booking Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's like it it is tense and it creates this mood as they're making you know as she's going from person to person uh and it, it creates some tension that is sometimes hard to get in comic books um and, and i think i think action is sometimes tough to do even though you know we there's all superhero comics have these giant action set pieces in them this feels like a real action sequence like what it would look like the pacing of it feels well it's not like um it's not like the death of superman when every page is a a, a splash page to, yeah, yeah, to get yeah. the fight scene across. <laughs> Remember feel, that? You feel the speed of the action too. This is very much like it, like, like John Wick type action, as far as like you know how she holds her weapon, the way she moves from like panel to panel. Um, it's uh, it's all very grounded in reality in, in ways yeah, to the yeah. action in this. So I let really, me. Yo, go ahead, John. I really like the way uh, how when it gets into the action scenes too, like the panels stop being at right angles like it starts getting jagged like that to like yeah, uh, kind of that's really awesome it sets that mood again right like everything yeah yeah, kinda, yeah everything's kind of topsy-turvy you know like you're seeing bits and pieces of the action and i always think that that's you know it's this really um frenetic it's this really sort of frenetic way of of uh of doing the panel layouts and and somni is just making magic on this thing just, just yeah this magic. makes me want to read more of his uh see more of his books for sure you go back and and do he had a run uh him and wade did uh daredevil and it is uh like daredevil for a long time he was like sad and depressed and like just this (laughs) this really dark character for a long time uh and they just do this kind of like fun and i don't not i mean there's some stakes in it and stuff like that but they it's a really throwback daredevil comic it feels like reading old daredevil comics but with like a modern storytelling bent to it. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's fun. It's like a fun series. And like that's what we talked about it earlier, Travis, that idea of like needing bubblegum. Uh, and sometimes you need bubblegum, man. Yeah. Sometimes you need it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go. Let's go. Uh, would you uh, would you give it to someone? Would you recommend that they what they would they read this? And so so uh, Josh, Bieler, let's start with you. Would you recommend this to anybody? Yeah, definitely. Um it's it's good to see that uh you know major comic book publishers are not trying to uh hyper sexualize women characters <laughs> yeah right it's kind of nice it's kind of nice they've moved eh, away from them. Guys, i mean it's kind of nice i mean let's not get crazy i don't want this to become the norm you know oh travis travis like, you're gonna... talk about reading comic books at work like this is something i could read at work without feeling like a perv you know yeah. <laughs> Considering you the last thing was saga. sex criminals, that you're I, like, yeah, I can't read sex criminals at work for hey, sure. Hey, Travis's <laughs> Travis's dad read sex criminals so. right, on the airplane. <laughs> Hopefully, like, not, I'm not sitting, sitting next, next to, to a that kid. old man that who's reading porny comics, sex criminals in in sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, he's 72. I don't think there's any risk of that happening. I think we're safe there. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, oh, that's great, <laughs> Travis. <laughs> would you would you recommend this to someone? Yeah, uh, I would. You know, um, I've, re- I've I've encountered people in my life recently who are big into um, superheroes, 
but not comic book readers. I mean, they, they, they love, they tweet out everything that has to do with Marvel movies. They talk about Marvel movies the way we talk about comic books. Um, and I think that this is a great book for anyone who is really into that Avengers Marvel uh, movie universe. This is a quick read, so that it's it's not... I don't feel like I'm giving someone a burden when I give them this book who might not be in the comics. Two, it falls in line with kind of what we know about what they might know about the characters. And three, it reads like a movie. It reads like an action movie. So um, it's not like um, giving someone a book and being like, figure out comics. Here you go. Good luck. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's like it's almost an episodic continuation. Like, oh, you like. The Avengers movie, who's your favorite Avenger? Well, I like Iron Man and the Hulk and, oh, Black Widow's good. You're like, oh, here we go. Take it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is, if, if you know someone who's into the Marvel Universe, uh, the movies, and they don't read comic books, this one falls right in line with that movie, right? And, and so the Iron Man might not because now he's not Iron Man anymore. Spider-Man might not because now he's a globetrotting, like, CEO, Peter Parker, is a globetrotting CEO. Uh, and this stays really true to what that Marvel, that Marvel universe is. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's feels like an extension of that black widow character. And uh, it feels like they, this is what that character would do in between the, when we see her in those movies. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why like part of me goes like, this would either be a great movie or with the slate of like Marvel Netflix shows, I mean, this wouldn't fit into the universe they're doing right now, right? This wouldn't, she wouldn't be hanging out with, you know, I, I just don't see her with that crew because she's, uh, you know, an assassin secret spy. But I think this either translates to a wonderful movie or to a very episodic spy show, you know? Yeah. Yes. If, you, if you had the budget to get her jumping out of a giant helicarrier, uh, make it happen, <laughs> right? <laughs> Hello, Carrier, all copyrights held by Marvel Incorporated. Yeah, and I think, I, I, you know, I would totally give to someone. I'm in, the, I'm in the process right now where I have, like, a boatload of trades from the show and then also because I just read a bunch of other stuff outside the show. And so I'm like, man, I need, to, I need to start, like, handing this stuff out to people. Like, hey, you should read this. Get it out of my house for a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I have this in singles, so I, I don't have the trade in it, but... Uh, I'd like to get the second volume when that's, I don't know if the second volume is ready or not of this, but I totally read the second volume. Uh, and this is just one of those things where like, oh yeah, someone should read this. If, do you like the Marvel movies? You should, you should totally read this Black Widow comic. Uh, because one, it's goddamn gorgeous. And then two, it's just a great like action movie, you know? So gentlemen, it's been a blast. Josh Bueller, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And you got to have that comic book conversation, man. We yeah, definitely. We thanks, made thanks we, to you two. We made that happen. I want to get uh, Beeler on like a variant and just talk to him about like com- like we kind of got sidetracked and started talking about coloring and stuff like that. Uh, and there's not a lot of people um, that can <laughs> can hang in conversations like that and, and 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 talk that stuff. We need to get him on a variant where we just shoot the shit. I think that's a good idea. Oh yeah, I'm totally down. Rock and roll. All right, so Travis Rats. It's been it's been wonderful to do a podcast with you again, sir. Yep. 75, 75, 75, episodes. 75 episodes pulled gently from our womb. <laughs> it's a C a C section. A C section. Yeah. 
Yeah. A C-section. Well, because we don't want to ruin your figure, figure Josh. We, we want to make right. sure that we keep you I've been, nice and trim. I've been working... I've been working hard on this. So, so ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning into the podcast. You can find us on the internet uh, at www.comicexposure.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Comic Exposure. Uh, you can, I don't know, you can follow us on Instagram at Comic Exposure. We're on the Facebook, facebook.com slash Comic Exposure. Travis, I don't know if, not, if you know this or not, but our Twitter is connected to our Facebook now. I know that. I know everything. Listen, so I I'm may an, not be I, on the forefront of our online presence, but I'm aware of it. You're a stalker of our online presence. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Josh, thanks for coming on the show again. We really appreciate it. Uh, And then we've got some more books coming up. Travis, the next episode is Prez. Mm, Good, because I got to talk about this book before I completely forget it. (laughs) Our long-awaited conversation about Prez that keeps getting kicked around. Uh, Our uh, guest on the show had some stuff come up. I was sick, and then... Don't apologize. Don't apologize, Josh. Don't apologize. (laughs) Don't. We've just been talking about it forever, so yeah. it's, it's coming. It's the next book. <laughs> and then after that, we're doing a book called Gorillas. If you've never read that one, it is uh, about Gorilla Gorillas. Mm-hmm. Read it. Not like Gorilla and then Gorilla with a G-U-E. So, that, that's, so that's two completely is. different comics coming up. Yeah, totally. Both di- totally. art and story-wise. Yes. Yeah, so, so go ahead and uh, if you haven't picked those up, check them out. If you've read them, awesome. If you want to follow the comic book club with us, go ahead and do that. And ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next trade.